Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. TangiboundNetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, just how big of a hit is Crazy Rich Asians? Do you have the power when it comes to the latest He-Man doc? And is pre-ordering video games a thing of the past? All this and more as we hit our terrible twos. And once again, delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. Yes, we're back, everyone. We have hit two years. It is once again the pop culture cosmos show. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everybody out there listening to all of our programs. But wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos, especially on our second anniversary, without our good friend. He is the master blaster of Humanica Media. You got to check out all the great things that he's doing today on Humanica Media on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and also his great topic Ocalypse show on Podbean. It's my good friend. It's Josh Peterson. We hit two years, my friend. It's all downhill from here. So they say, hopefully we'll have smooth roads for a little bit before it goes downhill or possibly even going uphill. Who knows? The hills hills are weird here. We just, we just don't know. We might still have some issues with teething, you know, because we have, like I said, just hit our terrible twos. So we're going to be a little bit fussy every now and then. So we apologize for that because that's often what happens when you reach those terrible twos. But hey, man, I just wanted to thank you. Everybody out there that listens to our shows, all the great networks and so much more, all of our great guests that have appeared on the show, we just truly cannot thank all of you enough for the last 104 episodes for our show. And we just truly appreciate everyone taking the time to either be on the show, listen to the show, or be a part of something with the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we cannot thank you enough. So how's it feel, man? Two years since we've been doing this thing. Feels like we've been doing it for two years, man. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. But it is going to be a great two-year special indeed. We've got a lot lined up for you. We do have Rob McCallum on our two-year anniversary coming up in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire. He's going to be talking about a lot of pop culture subjects, including his brand new documentary that is now available on Netflix. It's called Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. It's almost like a Japanese RPG with that long title, I tell you. But yes. My colon's in there, you know. Exactly, exactly. Got to throw a couple of those in there. But yes, it is Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. It is now available on Netflix. That's right. It is now available on the world's largest streaming app. You got to check it out today. Our good friend, Rob McCallum. 
He is coming up later in the program in the Cosmic Crossfire to talk a lot about pop culture. And I will share my thoughts on a review because I've already seen the documentary and I'll share my thoughts on exactly whether it's something you need to watch or something you need to maybe pass on by. Also as well, we've got a lot of other great things to talk about, including a lot of house cleaning coming up in the middle of the show. And also on the back end, is it still wise to go ahead and pre-order video games? Amazon has made some changes and a little bit of a different direction when it comes to their pre-ordering discounts, thus being one of the last entities out there to really give incentives for pre-ordering. We talk about if it's still wise to do so, or you can just go ahead and pick it up first day or whenever you hear the reviews or see the reviews and whatnot and go from there. If that's an even wiser option for buying your video games now going forward in the future. All this and a lot more, including songs, two songs for our second year anniversary, two of our favorites that we picked from the past from our good friends, Plasma Z and also Hyperschmidt as well. Josh, it's been a great weekend again for Crazy Rich Asians. This movie is really doing well. The word of mouth has gone across the board. It's done a great job of keeping that momentum going. This weekend, it's still garnered in the domestic box office over $25 million, down just 5%. That's right, 5% from last weekend, which is an incredible number that was able to sustain that high of a number, my friend. There's a lot of interest. There's a lot of great news, a lot of great publicity out on it. The books that are based off the series, starting with Crazy Rich Asians and its two sequels after that by Kevin Kwan, are now back into the Amazon top 10. That's how the attention of this movie is getting because it's not only creating an attention for the movie itself worldwide, but it's also garnering a lot of attention for the books that it's based off as well. Yeah, it's funny because a lot of people I talk to about it who really enjoyed the movie don't actually didn't actually know that it was based on books. And I didn't know that either until I saw someone holding one and saying, reading the book before going to see the movie, you know, their little caption. But no, it's really cool. I like the idea that anytime there's like a, I guess, diversity movie that comes out, it's usually like it doesn't feature the Asian culture, you know, and as as the film industry has done over the years with the early Kung Fu movies and stuff like that. So it's nice to see a movie done right that actually is bringing a point of pride to people who can identify with the characters. I was, I thought that that was a, a really cool idea, and I've heard nothing but good things about it. What about you? I've heard nothing but outstanding things for it as well. I hope to catch it in the theaters, but I will be catching it at least before the end of the year, that's for sure, because it has not only garnered a really high rating on Metacritic, Rotten Tomatoes, but also tremendous word of mouth as a really nice, fun, very illuminating romantic comedy as far as really seeing a fresh side of things. The way it portrays Asian culture in this movie is just from what all of I've seen and heard in this manner as far as you know, we've seen with Black Panther and how empowering that movie is to the public out there. The same thing goes for Crazy Rich Asians and the fact that it's not just a kung fu movie or it's not just a movie that's centered for a certain demographic in a certain country or like for, for audience in Asia, overseas, over in China, that this was marketed as a romantic comedy as what almost any other domestic romantic comedy would. And now it's just starting to be rolled out overseas overseas. 
it's on its way to over $100 million here at the box office, making it a big hit here in the United States. And like I said, it's just being rolled out overseas, and it's going to obviously get a lot more publicity and a lot more good vibes all across the world. A sequel has already been announced that it's underway in the works already within the past week it was announced. So that's an even more telling sign that now Hollywood is going to start doing something they should have done a long time ago with the success of the Joy Luck Club, which was something very, uh, something similar in the fact that it was something off the beaten path and something that actually garnered a lot of box office. But Hollywood just seemed to stray away from the way that Asian actors have been, I don't know, I say, I don't want to say portrayed, but not given as much of a full opportunity as far as the diversity in Hollywood in recent years has, has not been there. Let's just put it out there. It's nice to see this is a fresh change of pace. And this is something going forward we should see more often. You know, so many different people can relate to now that we've seen Black Panther and now that we've seen Crazy Rich Asians do extremely well in the box office, especially domestically. What does that tell you now, Josh, as far as going forward that the movie industry should follow and also television as well? I think that, you know, the the whole idea of whitewashing should be a thing of the past now. You go even with like anime movies like Ghost in the Shell, like clearly it takes place in Tokyo. Why cast a white person? I think that the idea of whitewashing is something that can be put in the past now because there are people who are willing and able to play these parts so yeah it definitely brings another uh, a step forward in the diversity in hollywood i don't even know if it's an argument but it's it's a great idea i think it's it's we're we're making waves we're taking steps forward and it's only going to get better from here what's interesting to me about this is how many more books are there like that like how many untapped like stories are there because this is an, kind of an original story there hasn't been anything done like it in hollywood so how much more untapped potential for storytelling is out there that's like this and that's true and i know there's been a little bit of brushback in regards to the fact that it deals with a certain demographic as far as affluent society in the asian culture and I know there was a little bit of brushback about that, but for the most part, it's been extremely positive as far as what this movie will do as far as going forward for the not only the Asian community, but for Hollywood as, as a whole to see that, hey, this is something that we should have done a long time ago, and now we can go forward as far as we can't right the wrongs from the past, but we can go ahead and make things right in the future I'm telling you what, man, it, this is just a great sign to see. And I'm, I'm looking forward to more movies such as this, such as Black Panther, which embraces a certain culture and puts it out there. And people just seems to just enjoy it from all different walks of life, not just one particular. It's not just catering to one particular demographic. The movie actually ends up being seen by an entirely broad audience, as we've seen now with Crazy Rich Asians, which is now close to getting $100 million. And of course, Black Panther, which earned over, I believe, $1.3 billion worldwide. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, and that's, don't get me wrong, that's not to say that there shouldn't be movies that white people should be pushed completely out of Hollywood, but it just goes to show like this idea that, you know, only a white person can play a part is just crap you know it's there's it, it proved that stereotype wrong and that's awesome and i, I want to see less johnny depps and less brad pitts on the screen and i want to see a more diverse 
cast of people playing a more diverse cast of parts because if we get that chances are we're going to get more original content than we've ever had before which is something that hollywood is severely lacking and that's exactly right that is exactly right i will tell you what this is just a great sign for hollywood for diversity in the movie industry and going forward that there's there's a lot of great signs that more movies like this like crazy rich asians like black panther not only can succeed but excel with iterations going forward and like i said before there are more books that were made after that in succession by kevin kwan the author of crazy rich asians not only is crazy rich asians but the two successive books that followed are all in the top 10 on the best-selling list for amazon.com so that tells you that people are just really interested in this now so now is the time to jump on this great news that they got announced that a sequel is underway to crazy rich asians already that's that's a great sign that hollywood is now realizing its errors from the past and now just going forward they're just going to really kick it into gear and hopefully this will lead to more projects that are out there like you were saying that they that hollywood should just really start to embrace and really start to put on the big screen and entertain audiences worldwide what are your thoughts on crazy rich asians are you really amped up to see it have you seen it already do you think like we do that this is something a long time in coming that now is really just appreciated by audiences and that going forward hollywood should just go ahead and start seeing those projects that truly embrace diversity and truly embrace a different culture from what we're used to seeing on the big screen and just really start to show that and make sure that these projects like crazy rich asians and others going forward not only will be presented on the screen but will be actually successful to a larger audience share us your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Well, like I said, it is going to be a great show we have for you today. Coming up, we have Rob McCallum in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire. He's got some great pop culture topics to talk about. And I will share my thoughts on his latest documentary to hit Netflix. Again, it is Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. That is now available on Netflix. I share my thoughts on it in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire coming up. But first, we've got our good friend, Plasma Z. This is one of our favorite songs that we've played over the past two years on our two-year anniversary. This is Supernova, and this is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Bye. 
You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Mmm, nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious Wheelie Q rubs, seasonings, and gluten-free barbecue sauce. Made with the finest ingredients, Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak, hamburgers, fries, or vegetables. To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, head on over to www.wheelieq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. Pop Culture Cosmos listeners, act now and get 15% off your order just by entering the promo code POD1, that's P-O-D and the number one at checkout. For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheelieq.com. And we're back with another episode of the Cosmic Crossfire. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. Well, it wouldn't be a Cosmic Crossfire without my good friend. He is the man at robmccallumfilms.com. All of his projects, all of his films, everything that he's working on. He shares it all. RobMcCallumFilms.com, Rob McCallum Films on Facebook, and so much more is my good friend. It is Mr. Rob McCallum. Pray tell, Rob, what's going on in your world when it comes to pop culture? Disenchantment is the new Matt Groening series coming out on Netflix. Of course, Matt Groening is the creator of The Simpsons and, of course, other shows like The Critic and Futurama. And the reviews have started to hit. It comes out, I believe, the 21st of August or thereabouts or the 17th, maybe, depending on your region. And people are starting to review it. They have a lot of knocks against it. Does it really matter, though, at this time? First of all, it's on Netflix, so you can binge the whole thing. I think it's 10 episodes for season one. Everybody slammed Futurama when it first came out because it wasn't The Simpsons. A lot of people slammed The Critic, and you know, there's it still had a massive fan base as well. Uh, at what point does this guy really get to to say, "Hey, I want to do this kind of show, and I don't care what you say," without everybody really have to come in so heavy-handed on the guy? Exactly. Well, it all happens because you've got The Simpsons that's still running at you know what thirty years now, close to it. So that's. That in itself is a problem is when you have that sitting right there that's that's out there that has been such a long-running hit for so many years, it's really hard when you go ahead and try to do something else that's creative that a lot of people are just not going to go ahead and put that under a microscope or a magnifying glass. I will say that I enjoyed immensely The Critic. I really thought that was a underserved show, and I really thought it deserved a new life or some kind of life extended beyond what ABC was willing to give it. When it comes to Futurama, that was brought back. I know it's currently running here in America on the sci-fi channels, and I understand that they're really portraying and really putting it in as far as the sci-fi channel is concerned. But I want to ask you, when it comes to The Critic and when it comes to Futurama, do you think both of them were unfairly cut before they were due? Do you really think that they they had? Do you really think they could have found an, a larger audience than what they did? Because we understand about Futurama's cult status, and like I said, it's now playing on Sci-Fi. But when they tried to revive it, it just never seems to get going to the extent of, let's say, um, Family Guy, 
which found a second life and a new audience because of it. I think, you know, should the critic have come out in today's age where there is an adult swim, there are completely dedicated channels to animation and cartoons. I think it would have done better or even it being on a Netflix or an Amazon prime. I think it would have done fine. Futurama, I think it took it going into the DVD releases for people to kind of really get hooked on it and binged on it. They really needed to see what it was and something longer than a short 22-minute burst once a week. And when it did come out, it was, you know, it, it was jumping around the schedule a lot. So it came back because it found an audience when the DVDs came out. And then, like you said, it still hadn't got to the point where it could really find a home. And so they were doing basically short bursts of of the reboot they would do like you know the head of a thousand beasts or or whatever it is and the futurama fans are killing me right now and they're also doing an audio podcast the group is getting together i believe to do some sort of audio podcast or audio recording is that correct yeah and uh, billy west has a great podcast going on as well who's of course the voice of fry so futurama just took time to find a course but it, it required binge watching for people to really get it and i think the critic would be the same thing i think now is the time and the, the means that we have of all, all our streaming and other outlets for something like The Critic to come back and, and find its its own home, own home. I think Disenchantment's going to be the same thing. Bob's Burgers struggled out of the gate as well, but when it hit Netflix, people were able to binge it and really get comfortable with the characters and understand what was going on. So it wasn't just a one-off 22-minute kind of quirky, messed up a nuclear family that owned a restaurant. There, There's a lot of heart to these shows, but it takes a while to get used to it. And uh, we live in a world where we want instant gratification and we want everything now, which can work in favor of these, but not on the traditional conservative broadcast television network strategy. So you, I think, I think this like enchantment a, will go well. It all comes down to what kind of audience watches it, how fervent, how behind the show are they? You see with Futurama, while I don't think it has enough of an audience to maybe sustain a new life or as far as a continued new life. It thinks it has a, a solid enough base that they will just continue watching, continue supporting what's out there. The problem is there are very few shows that can get that new life, like Family Guy, which was shown on TBS in reruns after it was canceled initially by Fox, but there was so much demand, so much support for for a revival of it that actually found a new life again. And now we see it's, it's now a foundational piece for Fox. Same thing. I think with American dad, where actually it was initially, like you said, with Bob's burgers, they were both just not well thought of at first, but now they found a home and found really just a trend viewing for it is it's just weird how this works out with animated features. And it seems to really come into play a lot with, with animated features or adult cartoon entertainment type formats you know like on, on nick or adult swim or anything of that nature it just seems to the really flow as far as it really seems to come to play when it comes to those cold hits and animated features for adults yeah and i think disenchantment being on netflix is going to give it the best shot instead of doing like a broadcast premiere on a fox or on another network and whether the season one is everything that you want it to be or not there'll be more and more episodes because they want to keep working with matt graining as a creator why wouldn't they and if they've got to support this one show in order to get more down the road or something different netflix has the money to spend on it he's premier talent he's obviously proven himself and has the ability to create these long-lasting universes between futurama and the simpsons that hey why not take a couple more chances on stuff that's going on out there and i really like the idea of my grain playing in a fantasy fairy tale medieval kind of world and to see what he can do with it 
and, and what it just comes down to this he understands himself better than anybody that anything he creates down the line is always going to be compared to the simpsons i don't think he even worries about it i don't think he even cares if he does repeat something as successful as the simpsons because i don't think there is going to be something as successful as the simpsons for a long long time but as long as he's happy with what he's doing he's earned the right like you said to go ahead and put out shows that really are of his desire and his quality and usually a lot of fans will follow and it looks like netflix is willing to pay for it as well last thing i want to talk about on today's episode is the power of grayskull has been released to kickstarter backers gerald i know you're a backer and i know you've seen the film already what are your initial thoughts on Power of Grayskull for people that are eager about it? What do you want to say about it for everybody to know? I will say this. I am going to see it again because it's been about two, almost two and a half months since I've actually seen the film. I am going to sit down and, and actually see it again before I type out a review. But to me, I thought it was a very well done piece of art. I think it's as far as having your hands in the kitty on this one, one of your best films. And as far as what I've seen from it, I thought it was a great portrayal of what the He-Man mystique is all about. There are just a couple little quips here or there that that I would have liked a little bit more information on. But as a whole, as a, as a nice, tight 90-minute package from beginning to end with some of the key players in the industry that were actually a part of the He-Man facade, the, the different changes in He-Man himself, the series, but also mainly the toy line, which is what it should focus on the most because of the fact that, yes, while we all know about the TV series and how great it was to be a part of watching it when you were a kid and whatnot, it was the actual incentive of the toy line itself that created this whole mystique and understanding that also adding in obviously Shira and her part in it as well, seeing how Shira is coming back to actual screens in the near future. And just overall, I just found it an enjoyable experience. I really thought it was a, a well-made, well-constructed documentary per se, and as something that I'd like to see again. And, and if I wanted to actually anybody to understand more about the He-Man universe as a whole and understand why it was so popular, I would just point them into the direction of this film and see where it goes from there. Well, some very interesting comments from you. I will let people make up the minds for themselves on uh, I thought it was a great flick, it. man. I thought it was a great flick. My compliments to you and, and your co-director and everyone involved in the actual process itself. Well, thank you. I appreciate that, of course. I usually don't really comment too much on what I think about the films and stuff when they're done because they're kind of out of our hands. We just hope that people can enjoy them once they get access to them. So, but if you're a Kickstarter backer, those discs should be on the way. And of course we sent all our Kickstarter backers digital versions so that they could get them ahead of time and they could watch it so they wouldn't have to wait for their shipping delays. And because we didn't want some guy in Germany to be the last person to see it when somebody in North America could have got their disc shipped sooner. So we gave digital codes to everybody, even though we said uh, that was never part of the Kickstarter plan. We wanted to make sure everybody could kind of see it at the same time. So we did that. And uh, if you're, if you haven't seen it, your disc is in the mail and there you go. So thanks for, again, for everybody who backed that campaign and it's nice to finally kind of clear it off the shelf and uh, move on and move forward. If you have any questions for Rob that I can bring up to him at any point in time, Please let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, Game Source, and Rob McCallum Films on Facebook and at Rob McZob on Twitter as well. Well, Rob, 
As always, it's been great talking to you, my friend. I know you're a busy man with all that stuff you've got going on, but it's just great to have you a part of the Cosmic Crossfire and, of course, right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. Get ready for Box Art, a gaming docuseries from Pyre Productions and Rob McCallum Films. If you love video games, chances are there's a box cover or cover image that you love and has stuck with you for decades. In our series, Box Art, we travel across North America to visit with the unknown illustrators and artists responsible for creating the most iconic gaming images of all time. What was once scheduled to be a 90-minute documentary is now a six-episode season packed with unbelievable tales that paint a picture of the gaming industry you've never imagined. Just one of the many pop culture projects from Rob McCallum, Empire Productions. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate, again, you listening to all of our broadcasts. Before we do some house cleaning, I just wanted to let everybody know, you can catch a listing of all of our shows and the schedule that they're playing on on our Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page. That'll give you a listing of all the stations that play us because we're on radio seven days a week and also over 30 different podcast networks. Josh, you have a great thing going on with Topicocalypse. So share your thoughts, my friend. What's the latest and greatest when it comes to Topicocalypse? This morning, I actually interviewed the band Keys. And funny, they're actually their band is named after, the, after Captain Keys from Halo, which is really cool. But it turns out they're gamers. Who would have thought? No, I talked to the dudes. They, got, uh, they have a couple EPs out you can check out. Their latest hit, Floating Room, is out now. You can check it out. It's going to be part of a an album coming out soon that they're going to be talking about. Also, turns out that the lead singer of this band is actually the nephew of Vic Fuentes of Pierce the Veil. So if you're in the screamo music and emo stuff way back when, you definitely know who Pierce the Veil is. And these guys are... Really cool dudes, and the interview will be up tomorrow morning. You can check it out then. That's awesome indeed. That is on the Topic Ocalypse channel. That's available now on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many different podcast outlets. I want to make sure everybody knows that coming up on Wednesday, it is the full episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos Fantasy Football Special with our good friend from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast, Tyler Baker in full. It's going to be released on our Pop Culture Cosmos channel on Wednesday. And it will have actually unheard footage that we actually recorded. There is some extra added footage thrown in there. So if you want to listen to our fantasy football special in its entirety, just check it out on our Pop Culture Cosmos channel coming up on Wednesday. Speaking of fantasy football, I was recently a guest on Voice from the Underground on their fantasy football special. You got to check it out as well, because I know a lot of people are in the middle of going through their stuff for last preparations for the draft for the season coming up. Check that out again. That's not only our channel, Pop Culture Cosmos, but the Voice from the Underground channel as well. And I also made an appearance on the the Big Daddy Talk radio show. You want to listen to that as well. That's the Big Daddy Talk radio show. I want to say a special thank you to Tom, a.k.a. Big Daddy, for being on his radio show. You got to check that out today. I will actually put that in the links on our Podbean channel so you can check that out. But again, if you're listening on radio, it's the Big Daddy Talk radio show. Last but certainly not least is the recent tragedy that happened this past weekend 
in Jacksonville when it came to a mass shooting is what they're calling it. A very unfortunate incident in Jacksonville that took place during a qualifier in the Madden 19 video game tournament that took place this past weekend in Jacksonville. My friend, I know you've gotten the lowdown and the updates on the news. Two people have unfortunately lost their lives over this event. The actual gunshots could be heard during the stream that was available through streaming services that were out there. So I ask you, my friend, this really changes the game, unfortunately, in a bad way for esports. In the recent months, we've seen some toxicity, name-calling, suspensions, and things like that. Now it's led, unfortunately, to a loss of life. So what does this tell you as far as the culture of esports at this point in time? Well, you know, we always talk about video game culture as a whole and how, like, you know, we do come from all different backgrounds, but we come together over certain issues, certain situations. This is just an angry kid, though. Like, if you look at the guy's name is David Katz, and I'm looking at some pictures of him. He was actually the Madden's champion from this event back in 2017. So, and I, you know, there's nothing from last year, but it honestly looks like he was just disgruntled and he decided to open up fire in a mall. But it makes me sad because. It's a video game. You know, you should, though gamers do get angry, there's, this isn't supposed to happen. And I want to say that he's the exception to the rule, but who knows at this point? And I hope, I hope this doesn't create bad things for esports. I hope it doesn't create any problems for esports, but this is really sad. And, you know, the worst part about it is that it, it's a football game. It's not even like a violent game that caused this. It's a football game that caused the issue. So imagine what would happen if this incident had happened during like a an Overwatch or a Counter-Strike tournament or something. Or Call of Duty or anything like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I don't know. Like I, The story's still developing. I'm sure there'll be more out tomorrow. But I hope this doesn't paint gamers and esports out to be unstable individuals. Well, I know there's a portion of our society that's always looked down upon video games, gamers. And I know we have spoken at length in regards to the toxic natures that that has been there when it comes to streamers that are on YouTube, they're on Twitch, that are just in our daily lives. When you, you know, you've spoken at length and I've spoken every now and then in regards to when we go on multiplayers, the type environment that's there, people that go name calling and, and that use racial slurs and, and other type of slurs and that really go to places they don't need to go and say things that they don't need to say. And now this is boiled over to the point where in a, a video game football tournament, Madden NFL 19. This is really something to have been celebrated by that esports community. The championships are shown on ESPN. A lot of the action is shown on ESPN and, and rerun time and time again. But who knows what this point, if larger entities want to go ahead and televise something like this or televise esports as a whole, because this will kind of give them pause if these are the kind of individuals that will go ahead and compete. You and I both know that's not the case, that 99% of the, the individuals out there that play video games and that are involved in esports are not bad people. It's just that, that small, toxic few that just keeps perpetuating this type of thing. And, and now something's really gone overboard to the point where, let's put it this way, I, I'm in Vegas. 
And the Vegas market has really embraced esports with not one, not two, but at least I'm off the top of my head, a half dozen to 10 different places where major esports events are held over the course of the year, including the Luxor, including downtown Las Vegas, on the Strip, convention centers has held stuff like that before as well. So, man, this is just getting to be a big time realization that we now have to go ahead and and provide heavy security for these type events when in fact it's just kids playing video games or young adults playing video games but there i say again that might be the issue in and of itself because if it's young adults playing could that be a problem where these kids are just taking it way over the top and they're really not emotionally ready to handle these type of outcomes well, let me ask you this. Do you think there should be an age enforcement on people playing these games like 21 and over? But that's the problem. If you're younger, because the human body and reflexes, the younger you are, usually the better you're going to be. It Once you're into your mid-20s, for most of these esports games, that's usually over the hill from what I've been told, what I've seen, what I've observed, because the fact that correlation between hand, hand-eye coordination and whatnot does not allow for as as fast as, as far as reflexes when you're in your mid-20s, late-20s, early-30s and whatnot and going forward, you know, even my age as well. It's kind of disappointing that that's the case. And if they did that, that would kind of shut out almost the largest demographic of quality game players that are out there. And that would kind of be actually unlawful in and of itself. Right. So this, just like everything else, is victim to human nature and human reactions. And, you know, I'm sure there's been cases out there of someone, you know, at a sports game, someone losing a sports game, losing a sports bet or whatever, and pulling out a baseball bat or a gun or something. But it's just it's unfortunate that this is video games and this is going to I guarantee you the media is going to take full advantage of this when all the smoke and dust clears. We're going to have you know, the Fox News and the CNNs talking about gun control and video game regulations. And it's, you know, where it goes, who knows, but it's just, it's not publicity that we need, especially in the wake of that, what was that conference last year with uh, Donald Trump and, uh, you know, doing the violent video game reel. Exactly. And there are other individuals when we've talked about, uh, we haven't even talked about swatting where, where there's issues of sore losers in video games calling the police on another individual that they lost to in a multiplayer game, you know, could be all the way across the country. We've seen issues like that where someone's calling the police on someone else that they lost a video game to halfway across the country. We've seen issues where individuals have been banned from their Twitch streaming, from their YouTube streaming and all that stuff because of things that they've said that's extremely inappropriate for audiences. And we've seen that kind of toxicity formulate over the past few years that I've talked to our esports expert, Christian Daniel Zamudio about. And I've asked him time and time again, what does esports need to do to gain a better platform and get rid of some of those elements? He's seen it, he's he's talked about it. And if you want to check out our back episodes with him on it, he really tells some great ideas in regards to how to try and, and filter out some of this. But still, even his thoughts and even his ideas couldn't have even fathom to come to this type of violence, this type of reaction, this type of individual going off the way they did. And it's just a shame that something as peaceful as playing video games, which you and I have been doing for so long now, 
I've been doing it since the 70s to give you an idea how old I am, just playing it on the Atari 2600, playing Pong, how that has evolved into the wonderful, beautiful graphics and the gameplay that we have today. But unfortunately, all that other stuff has come along with it as well. And if you'd been my age when we were at the arcades and we played, let's say, Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat, and I lost, I'm not going to go ahead and pull out a gun and shoot you at that point in time. I, you, this stuff was never heard about in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. It's because everyone's a lot more volatile these days. And that's it's the fault of politics and social media just combined, but it's not the fault of like, you know, one side of the aisle or the other. It's just the fault of everybody in 2018 wanting to have a voice and wanting to be right about everything. And that's just created. We are, in fact, in an age of conflict. And it's just it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And when you start looking at these behaviors and taking them seriously and trying to get to the root of what's causing them and not trying to find scapegoats for what might be causing them. This is true, my friend. And I just it's it's now come to the point where these esports arenas, at least here in Vegas, I know you have the Anaheim Convention Center, and that held the GameStop conventions. And I've know it, there's been conventions there and things that that have taken place that in a similar realm that have video game tournaments have taken place there as well. So it's just kind of disappointing that now heavy security has to be everywhere to prevent such a tragedy from happening. But this was like, an, I don't want to say it's an informal event, but this was done at a pizzeria in the middle of a mall. In the middle of a mall, man. I mean, how can you try to defend these things? I mean, do you have everybody go through a metal detector right at the pizzeria before you can even order? I don't know. What, what does it kind of come to at this point in time? Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I, I don't think that they expected this. And why would they expect something like this? If you notice that these big conventions now, like you can't get into like E3 or any of these other places without being wanted and they have just security all over the place. But with something smaller like this, this was an event that took place at a mall. So I don't think they even had the slightest inclination that something like this might happen and nor should they. I don't know, man. It doesn't make any. I mean, well, it makes perfect sense to me, but it's just this is an individual who couldn't control himself. And I just hope and pray that there's not many like him out there that are participating in esports. And I hope that, you know, people don't see this and be like, oh, I can do that too, because then gamers are going to start being looked at as unhinged. And that's even worse for uh, both the profession and the chance of esports growing bigger. You know, the video game industry as a whole has been trying to fight these stigmas since the 90s since mortal Kombat came out with its at that time people were saying it's horrific fatalities and people were trying to outlaw it ban it and now you have a situation where it's come to the point where there's now actual violence taking place in what should have been such a serene event such a peaceful good-natured event and this has gone way out of hand and something unfortunately is going to be done about it and it's not something good that's going to put esports in the best of lights from this point forward what are your thoughts out there on the tragedy that happened in jacksonville and the mad 19 tournament that was there are you saddened by the news is this something that's going to set esports back a lot is this something that that esports has to reevaluate and think about as a whole Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. 
Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. And from all of us here at Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, Game Source, and Rob McCallum Films, we want to send our thoughts and prayers to the families of the victims and those who were injured in the shooting at Jacksonville. Well, coming up, we still have a lot of great things to talk about. Is pre-ordering still in the future for video games? But first, we do have a great song from our good friend, Chad and Hyperschmidt. This is, again, two songs for our second anniversary, and this is also one of our favorites as well. This is About to Win, and this is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Waiting just to see the light When did this become a fight? Struggle just to fill my lungs with air Staring at the finish line The darkness running out of time I'll do what it takes to get you listening to the pop culture cosmos 
If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford once again saying thank you so much for listening. Also want to thank Rob McCallum for being part of the broadcast. And when you get a chance, check out his newly released movie on Netflix, Power of Grayskull, The Definitive History of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Josh, before we head on out, got to talk, like I said, about the changes coming that Amazon is, I believe, getting rid of most, if not all, the pre-order discounts that were once so relied upon by individuals i'm raising my hand as i say that when it came to ordering video games from amazon.com leaving one of the last bastions of goodwill at least here in america maybe worldwide as well in regards to amazon.com but also best buy has gotten rid of the program as well so so i ask you my friend even though there are still companies out there publishers, developers that are still trying to provide little DLC incentives for pre-ordering their games. Is pre-ordering a thing of the past when it comes to the video game industry? Well, that gets into the bigger question of is physical copies a thing of the past in the video game industry? And I know people love, uh, you know, for example, when God of War came out, like my news feeds were all filled with people showing the little countdown timer to when the game could finally start being played. So people love, you know, they love the idea of uh, just being able to turn a game on and, and play without having to leave their home. And, you know, that's why Amazon does so well, so on and so forth. But I, you know, I'm one of the the few people that still likes to collect things. I like to have the physical copies in my hand. But it's weird because if you look on Amazon and you look at like when a game goes on sale or a game drops in price, the digital thing for the game stays the same as it was before. So I, I wonder if maybe Amazon's trying to push more for people going digital with the games or I don't know. But as far as pre-orders go, like I I never was really into pre-orders. I know GameStop makes a lot of money off pre-orders or they make a, a little bit off pre-orders anytime you go in to buy something like hey do you want to pre-order this and it's i don't know people i just don't think that with physical copies anymore with all the people buying digital you don't really have to worry about people about you know going to a store not being able to buy something i don't think there's a concern about you know the latest call of duty being sold out when you go to target or gamestop or whatever to pick it up and same thing with amazon i, I think that people are no longer concerned about amazon running out of a product because why do they need to have the hassle of that when they can just preload it onto their console as soon as the game comes out they can sit down and play it we talked about before the landscape is changing especially with microsoft looking to push out two different consoles at, at the same time one that only does digital one that your traditional physical xbox but subscription gaming is becoming a thing that's also a good point too is that sony and microsoft are incentivizing i don't know about sony but microsoft's incentivizing people to pay for their subscriptions instead of having to go to the store to buy like a 
you know, Forza or Gears of War or a, a Sea of Thieves or whatever it is or Crackdown. There's all these games coming out that are going straight to Games Pass. There's even games, big big titles like Master Chief Collection is coming to Games Pass in September. So, yeah, I, I see with stuff like this, as that increases, if it's a bargain for gamers, then we're going to see less and less people going to get physical things. And we're going to see less need to pre-order things because you're just going to be able to play it right away without having to go anywhere or do anything. Exactly. And this is going to change the market forever. And the things that gamers have done that were so standard in gaming over the course of the years that we've talked about as far as when it comes to playing video games and multiplayer, people are going to be apprehensive about that, especially after what happened this past weekend and the toxic nature it can sometimes have. And now the fact that good old pre-ordering is getting closer and closer to becoming a extinct dinosaur and truly a thing of the past. What are your thoughts on pre-ordering? Do you still do that for video games? How about DVDs, Blu-rays, or books? Do you still do that on that? Is it, is it more important to focus on pre-ordering those items than video games? Because we all know about the availability of most video games out there when it comes to like first day and first week releases. Is it something you even think about anymore? Or are you just that diehard video game individual that goes ahead and pre-orders everything that you're excited about upcoming? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Media and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Josh, it's been a great episode. Two years, my friend. Congratulations on that. But before we head on out, I want to talk about something we actually mentioned and something we actually touched on as a subject on our latest PCC Multiverse, which was Shadow of the Tomb Raider. And we were kind of complaining that we've really not seen much of a marketing expenditure and a public relations expenditure for Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Well, Square Enix and also Shadow of the Tomb Raider was announced as having a making of the Shadow of the Tomb Raider. It's an actual documentary made by Square Enix and the developer Eidos Montreal. It's in correlation with Coke, Coke is sponsoring it. And it's just going to be, like I said, a behind the scenes documentary of the making of Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Josh, this is something a little bit out of the box, which is kind of cool that they're doing, but is it really going to help the sales of the game overall, or are we still having the same kind of issues that we were talking about on our Friday program? I don't think people are going to care. If it's some kind of free content, if they popped it up on Netflix or Xbox Live or something, like I would watch it. I know a lot of people would watch it because we like to see things that Danny O'Dwyer does, those video game documentaries that, you know, the making of Elder Scrolls or whatever. People love People eat that up, man. But yeah, if it's something, if I'm going to pay $60 for the game, I'm not going to go to the movie theaters the same day and pay $12 to see a making of documentary of the game. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Nor me as well, but it's nice that they're actually trying something out of the box. Whether or not it will lead to additional sales, I still have my doubts. I know they're going to be running some type of TV campaign just before the game is released. But we're already seeing spots for Spider-Man and for other games that are coming around at this point in time in that area of early to mid-September in the video game marketplace. To me, it looks like, again, Square Enix is a little bit behind the ball. And I know you mentioned as well on, on last week's show that you just didn't think Square Enix was fully 100% behind it or the media as well. And that might spell a little bit of trouble for the game as a whole when it comes to sales. Just the fact that they handed it over 
it just goes to show there's like you know it's giving me a real mass effect vibe you know how bioware took the all the mass effect creators and put them on something else and then brought the b squad in that's what this is giving me a a, a vibe for i'm still excited to play it still gonna gonna buy it and play through the campaign and all that stuff but I'm not holding high hopes for it. It would be more of a bummer to me if it didn't do well because this is the closing of the origin trilogy that has been so good so far. But, you know, as for a documentary, movie, whatever, if it was given away with the game or if there's a special edition that costs like $5 more, I might be into that. But I have no desire to go to a movie theater and watch a making of when I could watch better making of documentaries on YouTube. Are you going to pre-order it? Whoa, nope. Nope, probably not. I just, why? You know, what's the point? I'm just going to cruise into Target or something and pick it up on day one. And I don't have to be hassled about pre-ordering more games coming out. Just thought I'd try. Just thought I'd try. I just want to give a special mention to uh, the family and friends of Kyle Pavone of We Came as Romans. They are a uh, post-hardcore band that has been around for a long time, done a lot of really great stuff, was featured heavily on the punk goes pop albums that everybody really likes he died at the age of 28 and he was a huge influence on a lot of the bands that we hear today in that genre the cause of death hasn't been released yet but we'll uh you know we'll pop something up on the the old facebook page the story develops i was hoping you would mention that because i know it hits you hard this past weekend it's been a not a great weekend for a lot of stuff going on in pop culture Let's just hope going forward for a better rest of the week and some more positive signs that pop culture can entertain and truly do what it was designed to do when it comes to popular culture. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's a beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening for two awesome years and we hope you listen more. And here's hoping you have yourself. A great day. Hello, Questers. This is Mandy, the host of Caster Quest, inviting you to enjoy our podcast where we explore the rich and vibrant world of Patrick Rothfuss's best-selling fantasy series, The Kingkiller Chronicle, soon to be adapted as a major motion picture and television show produced by the award-winning creator of Hamilton, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Hungry for more content? Perhaps you will enjoy our recaps of HBO's Game of Thrones, Over the Garden Wall, animated Batman films, Whatever you're in the mood for, if you love a good story, humor, impromptu parody songs, and thousands of pop culture references, you'll enjoy our show. You can find CasterQuest on SoundCloud, iTunes, and of course, our amazing network, the Earth Station One Network at ESOPodcast.com. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. 
let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.